I am Tom Evans. I'm a member of the teaching team here at Oak Ridge, and it is just my honor and privilege to, to share with you this morning. We're going to be finishing up our discipleship series um, about go and joining Jesus and making disciples. Um, before we go ahead and get started, though, let me, let me start us off with some prayer. Heavenly Father, Lord, we just lift you up. God, I just pray that you will speak through me right now. I pray for the Holy Spirit to be present in this room. I pray that you will um, just work on the hearts of those who are hearing this, Lord. I pray that you, I will speak truth and that you will just speak truth into the hearts of those around here. In Jesus Christ's name, amen. So, why have we been spending so much time and focus on discipleship? Well, there's a few reasons for this. One big one is that it's God's will that we focus on this. So, throughout the Bible, and Burke talked about this in the first week, um, throughout the Bible, God's will is that his glory is expanded throughout the earth and his salvation reaches the ends of the earth, right? So, an example of this, this is just one example, there are many, is in Isaiah 49.6, when God says, he says, it is too small a thing that you should be my servant to raise up the tribes of Jacob and to restore the preserved ones of Israel. I will also make you a light of the nations so that my salvation may reach to the end of the earth. So this is one of many passages from Genesis to Revelation where God is saying, my purpose is for my glory to be spread throughout the earth. And then there's the obvious great commission that we've been talking about a lot. In Matthew 28:17 through 20, um, this is what it says. And when they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I commanded you. And behold, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. So Jesus is being pretty clear. This is between his resurrection and his ascension to heaven, that this is the main purpose that the disciples need to be following. This is a big deal to him. And one other thing I wanted to mention, David talked about this a couple weeks ago. Um, there's, a, there's a part where the Pharisees are asking Jesus, teacher, in Matthew 22, teacher, what is the greatest commandment in the law? And he said, and Jesus said to them, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the greatest and first commandment. And a second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. So one thing I wanted to kind of point out and reiterate on this one is that the, this, is a, this is not an emotive love, right? This isn't, oh, just make sure you feel good, good feelings for people and for God in your heart. This is a do, right? This is a commandment we're supposed to do. There's action here. And the way we show our love for God is in obedience. That's the easiest way. We show our love for God in obedience. So if God's will is that we go and make disciples, then that's how we show our love for him is by, by obeying that. And the other one for this, the second commandment here, what more loving thing could we possibly give to our neighbors than to share the gospel with them? It's, it's better than, you know, feeding them. It's better than clothing them. The gospel is their biggest need. If they do not understand the gospel, then there's an issue. Big one. So that's God's will. So let's move on to realigning our culture, our church culture with scripture. Not to say that we're way off. That's not what I'm trying to say here. But the idea of this series is to provide a catalyst for change in our church culture. We need to be a culture that is discipleship focused, a multiplicative focus, where we're reaching out to our communities and we're sharing the gospel. The, the idea that the, the American church that everybody goes to church and they'll get saved at church is no longer a thing. It's no longer a fact. There is data that shows every generation has less and less people going to church. So that's not working anymore. That model is not working. We are the workers. That song that, that Christy sang was awesome. We are the workers. We are the harvesters. So in uh, Mike Breen's Building a Discipling Culture, it's a book I've been reading. Um, it has this, I thought it was a pretty cool uh, diagram here. And there's three directions here. These are basically the relationships uh, with, that the church has as a body. Right, so we have the up relationship, God. We have the inwards relationship, which is each other. 
and we have the outwards relationship, which is non-believers. So in Luke 6, 12 through 19, that, the verse is there. The reason they're there is because Jesus kind of shows an example of interacting with God the Father, the, his disciples, and then non-believers. Um, but so in our church, basically Mike Breen says that usually churches are good at two or three of these things, right? So in our church, if we were being honest in a cr- cr- critical nature of ourselves, we're good at the up and we're good at the in, right? We're good at um, with the, you know, trusting in God. We're good in uh, the Bible as the word of God. And we're good at fellowship. If you, if you are newer, you've been mobbed by 15 people when you come in, right? So we're good at those things. But we're a little lacking in the out. We're getting better at the outward relationship, focusing in on our neighbors, but we need to get better. Um, in Acts 2, 37 through 47, you can see the examples of the early church there, right? So they had a multiplicative mindset. They were repenting and baptizing, and then they were going and making more disciples. So we want to be part of that. We want that, that multiplicative mindset to be part of our DNA as a church. And then the final reason why we're focusing so much on discipleship is that it's our identity in Christ. We had a couple weeks of this, so we talked through this. Right? So in 2 Corinthians 5.17, it says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. If we are a follower of Christ, we are a new creation. And what pairs with that, and just a couple verses later, Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. So not only are we new creations, and therefore we should be acting in different ways, we are also ambassadors for Christ to the rest of the world. You guys know what an ambassador is, right? So we are supposed to be making God's appeal for their hearts through us, right? That's how God has chosen to do it. He didn't need to choose us. He's chosen to use us. And not only that, we are also priests. If you look at uh, 1 Peter 2, 9, Peter says, But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. One thing that kind of just strike, strikes me is just I thinking about what a priest does and what that means is that it's, it's, it's a full-time job, right? We don't stop becoming a priest when we go home from church on Sunday, from worship service on Sunday specifically, right? Our kids need to see us acting as a priest. Our kids need to see us acting as ambassadors for Christ. It's a nonstop full-time job. Our neighbors, our co-workers, they need to see us being a priesthood. Okay, so who do we disciple? Well, the answer is pretty simple. We disciple all our neighbors, we are surrounded by the lost, okay? There are hundreds of thousands of people in just central Maryland that don't know Christ. This is not a super, you know, Christian area that we live in, and you guys well know that. So there's a lot of people around here that need to hear the gospel. We should be, the go and go and make disciples from Jesus is more of an as you go, right? We talked about that, and Burke talked about that. So this is something that's always happening. It's not something we always need to make a physical commitment. I'm going to go and share the gospel. It's a, as we go, we should be sharing the gospel. That's how it works. And then finally, Dave Ferguson touched on this a couple weeks ago. Um, but the Oikos map, that's just, Oikos means neighborhood or network. Uh, it's a tool where basically you put yourself in the center, and then you put the people that you're praying for, non-believers specifically, that you interact with on a day-to-day or week-to-week or month-to-month maybe basis. And you're praying for those people, and then you're praying for the people that they're interacting with. The idea here is to, one, be praying for these people that you're interacting with to get a chance to share the gospel, that God would work on their hearts. And then, two, that when they get saved, hopefully, they will, they will be ready and able to go and make disciples out of the people in their lives. And that's how you have that multiplicative mindset that we're trying to aim at. If you don't know, if you made an Oikos map and you basically put in a bunch of people, the people you're interacting with, and, and you couldn't think of any non-believers or very few, then we need to get out of our comfort zone a little bit. We need to come up with hobbies. We need to interact with non-believers. That's part of our job as Christians. So how do we go about this? 
we kept this at pretty high level for a reason, um, but in general, we want to be gossiping the gospel, right? We need to be spreading the gospel to everyone. We need to be sowing. If it, they may not be saved, but they, if they hear the gospel, that's a start, right? Uh, some people, you might have heard this, the saying, um, oh, I, I'm always sharing the gospel, and sometimes I use words, right? You might have heard that saying. That's not correct, right? People don't, won't understand the gospel just because you held the door open for them, okay? What the gospel is, they won't understand that, that we have sin, that we're separated from God. Because of that sin, we are in a broken state. And without Christ, there's no going back. There's no heaven. There's no getting into relationship with God on this earth. And then there's eternal separation after this life without Christ. But God has provided a way for us to come to him, to break out of our sin. Jesus Christ came down in the form of a human. He died in the, he lived a perfect life. He died on the cross for us. And then he rose again three days later to show his power over sin and death. And if we believe, we repent, and we believe in Christ, we are restored relationship with God. That people won't get from you just being kind or, or nice. Okay? They need to actually hear those words. And there are ways to do this, right? So the three circles method, you might have heard that talked about. There's 15-second testimony. There's ways to sh- share our faith and that are clear, simplistic, reproducible. The reason that I've been pushing for these models specifically is not that they're better than any other model, but they are simple and they are reproducible. My children can do this, okay? The po- reason we want to all be on the same kind of common tool, common tool set, common language, is because common tool sets creates common language and common language creates common culture. We want to be establishing this new culture in our church so we have common language that's very helpful. And really, this training, it's not going to occur on a Sunday worship service. Not really, right? We're here to praise God. We're here to, to hear from the word. But we're not going to get trained because it's mostly one way. It's me to you guys and you guys upwards to God and praising, right? So this training that needs to occur is going to occur in smaller groups. Fortunately, Oak Ridge already has a system set up for that, right? Life groups is the structure that we use to meet in smaller groups and train each other in this and I'm gonna, and Mike Lowe might have mentioned last or two weeks ago that I'm going to be going around to different life groups if they're interested. I have no problem training in this. And we have other people that want to train in these things as well. I do want to mention that I'm spending a lot of time focusing on discipleship with the evangelism portion of it. Um, there also is obviously discipleship if someone comes to know Christ or if someone's a seeker and you want to talk more about that with them. There's, that's part of the tr- overall training. It's part of the No Place Left movement. But the reason I'm focusing so much on evangelism because that's our weakness, right? That's our weakness. We, are, as a church, it's my weakness as our church, and overall it's a weakness. We need to be, be getting better and more intentional about evangelism. So I'm, I'm spending a lot of time on that. But as Brian Racer mentioned a, a week ago, there are the different, depending on the level of Christian that you're discipling, there's different kind of material that we would use. Important point, we are not alone while we do this, right? I'm talking a lot about being intentional, but we're not alone, right? We're going with Christ, we're going with Christ. In John 15, 4, Christ says, Abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself. Unless it abides in the vine, neither can you, unless you abide in me. There's no way we're going to get any of this done without Christ, without God. He's the one that does it. We need to be abiding in Christ, following after Christ as disciples, if we want to be successful in this endeavor. And Jesus said at the end of you know, Matthew, the Great Commission, right? And behold, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. So Jesus is saying he's with us. He sends us his helper, the Holy Spirit, to help us. So we're not alone. We get to go with the body as well, right? All of us are a part of this. This isn't that you're on your own. Sorry, right? So Ephesians 
Um, let me just read it real quick. So Ephesians 4, 11 and 12, it says, <clears throat> So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers, to equip his people for works of service, so that the body of Christ may be built up. So there's kind of two parts here, right? There's the first part, that if you are gifted in evangelism, it is your responsibility to train those who are not. And then the flip side of that is, if you are not gifted in evangelism, that doesn't give you an out. You're still responsible for, for learning how to do it, how to get trained on it, and then doing it. And I wanted to kind of point out, God's kingdom is already on the move, right? The harvest is plentiful. God's kingdom is already at work. We get to join alongside of him. We get that grace that he provides us to join alongside of him. He doesn't need us, but we get to join him, which is just awesome. So, you know, Dave had a fishing analogy a couple weeks ago, and I thought it was just really good, and I wanted to just dwell on that for a second. When, you know, in the Israelite times, when they were fishing, they threw nets out. It wasn't super specific. They didn't, like, sonar the fish where they were before they did the nets. They might have known where they generally gathered, but they threw the nets out, and it was up to God to fill it with fish, okay? We're supposed to be act like, acting like that when sharing the gospel. We were throwing our nets out. We don't necessarily know who God's working on, right? We don't know that this person, God's, the, the Holy Spirit's definitely working on that person. We might get some hints of that at some times, but we don't know. We're supposed to just sow, so we need to kind of think of this as a fishing process where it's up to God. And really, doesn't that take the pressure off of us? It's not up to us if they get saved or not. It's up to God. All we have to do is speak up. It's a call to action. This is my, my specialty here. We are all personally accountable for this, right? We, we are followers of Christ. We need to act like him. In Luke 9.23, Jesus tells us to carry our cross. He wouldn't say that unless he expected us to die to ourselves. Okay? Our cross is not to be meant as a fashion statement around our necks. Our cross is something we carry us. It's a burden. It's a responsibility. But it's a joy. It's our, it's our purpose. It's our very identity to do this. So we're, we need to be following here after Christ. And there's an urgency here, right? There's an urgency. There are hundreds of thousands of people that are going to hell when they pass away just in our area. They're separated from God. The Bible is extremely clear about this. If they don't know Christ as their Savior and have repented and believed in him, they're going to hell. There's an urgency they need to know now. We get to join in that. And one thing I wanted to kind of point out in Matthew 24, 14, I just thought this was pretty cool. I think Burke might have mentioned this, but uh, let me just read it real fast. And this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in the whole world for a witness to all the nations, and then the end shall come. So what's God saying here? He's saying that, or Jesus is saying that the whole plan for Jesus coming back, Jesus' return, it's reliance upon the gospel being preached to all the nations. We're a part of Jesus' returning, which is, you know, we're not going to know when that is, but we should want that as believers. Shouldn't we want Christ to come back in victory over sin and death for the final, plan, final, final time? Right? Our plan, excuse me, Jesus' plan involves us sharing the gospel. And it's not just, you know, those who are good, those who are outgoing, those who are extroverts, it's everyone. And I, I, just, I need to call it introverts here. I'm an introvert. I get it. Okay? I get it. Um, but that's, that's not what we're called to be. Jesus was outgoing. I wouldn't say he was an introvert or an extrovert because that would imply he needed strength from something else besides himself. But he was outgoing. We're called to mimic that and die to ourselves. So, next steps. All right, so the idea here, there's a, there's a, you know, there's a huge vision, right? Revive Central Maryland. Revive all of Maryland. Revive the United States. That's the, that's the end goal, right? We need to have that multiplicative mindset to get there. There's a lot of steps in between that. 
Okay, I don't want us to get overwhelmed and say, well, there's too much to do. It's just another thing to do. That's not the point of this. Right? There are some individual steps we can take on the way there. So we can be creating active, multiplying life groups. We can be meeting as life groups individually. Right? We can be um, praying and setting goals. And what I mean by this is the prayer part, I just want to dwell on for a second. Um, Jesus has a couple of parables in Luke, Luke 11 and Luke 18, where he's actually saying a parable of telling people to pray a lot, to be persistent in your prayers, and to be bold and audacious in your prayers, to almost be annoying about prayer, right? And then, and so, the, you know, the, the parable of the unjust judge and the woman who wanted justice, she kept going to this guy, and he just gave her justice because he was tired of hearing from her. Not that God treats us like that, but Jesus used that as an example or parable of how prayer should work. We're supposed to be going back to God repeatedly for the same people over and over and over, which is, to me, really inefficient as an engineer, but to God, that's how he's called it. That's how he wants it. So we're going to obey. We're going to continually pray. And then we're going to set goals, individual goals. And what I mean by that, let me, let me talk through that for a minute. We're going to set SMART goals. And what I mean SMART is an acronym meaning specific, measurable, achievable, relevant, time-bound, right? So that's, that's the idea here. Basically, you're setting goals that you can achieve that make sense, that are not generic, okay? So there's two types of goals we want to set, and I've been doing this in my life group, and then we hold each other accountable following, in the following weeks. Um, there's two types of goals. How will you follow, and how will you fish, right? So these are, the, these are two types of goals, and it comes from, obviously, follow me, and I'll make you fishers of men. So follow in this case is, how are you going to be a disciple of Christ? How are you going to follow and obey him? We need to be obeying here, not just, you know, saying things. I mean, let me give you an example parable, right? Just, if my wife tells me to do something, she says, Tom, I want you to go mow the lawn, okay? I say, sure, I'll go, I'll go and do that. And then the end of the day comes, and I didn't mow the lawn. She goes, hey, did you mow the lawn? I'm like, oh, no, but don't worry. I got a few friends together, and we talked about mowing the lawn, we talked about it a lot. Um, we had some maybe arguments whether, you know, if when we got married, if you compelled me to get married or I chose you to get married. We, we discussed everything, but we didn't. But she asked, did you mow the lawn? No. I didn't mow the lawn, right? God, that conversation is not going to go well for us, for me, specifically in that case. So God is asking us to do something, and we can respond. So what goals can we set to follow Christ? I'll give you my example just to maybe help spitball some ideas here. My goal for following is that I wake up every single morning at before 6.30, between 5.30 and 6.30, and I pray and read the Bible. It's pretty simplistic. It's achievable. It's relevant to following. It's time-specific because it's every day. No matter what, if I'm on vacation or if I'm having a rough time, it doesn't matter. I get up and do these things. And it's been going well since I've set these goals. So that's just an, like a simple example. You guys could have other ones. And how will you fish? So fishing here, we're talking about discipling, right? So there's two aspects of it. There's the evangelism portion and then just the, you know, discipling a, a mature believer or immature believer. Um, for me, specifically for fishing goal, I am meeting with a, with a uh, friend that I met and that I shared the gospel with using the three circles method. And he's not a Christian. He did not repent and believe, but he's a seeker. So I'm meeting with him once a week at 12 o'clock and I meet him for a lunchtime thing and I go through, we're going through Luke together, and I'm answering all his questions. He has, a, he has a, some baggage from, from his childhood, but that's what I'm doing. I'm, I'm meeting, and I'm praying for this, for my friend and his family every single day. That's how I'm fishing. I'm also meeting with other people and discipling, discipling them as well on various levels of the spectrum there. 
So we need to be setting these simplistic goals and changing, raising the spiritual temperature one degree at a time. It's not going to happen instantaneously, and I, don't, I wouldn't expect 100% of you to go and do this. I just Realistically, it's probably not going to happen, but I want the majority of us. To me, the goal here for this series is if we can get the majority of people to be having a more intentional outlook on sharing the gospel, if we can get intentional people for setting these specific goals and following in fish, on following and fishing, then that's success. That's the next step in providing a catalyst towards future change and future growth for Oak Ridge. So will you guys join with me, join with God in building his kingdom, and let's go and make disciples. All right, let's pray. Heavenly Father, God, I just thank you. I thank you for giving us opportunity, to, Lord, to just share the gospel. I thank you you let us join with you, Lord, and that's just awesome. We, what a benefit, what a privilege, what a joy to fulfill our purpose that you've made for us. Lord, I just pray that you will give each and every one of us just that motivation to love you, to love those around us, and to act. God, I just pray all this in Jesus Christ's name. Amen.